Into every generation, there is a chosen one. Uh, excuse me, two. One girl in all the world. Two, two girls? Who is this guy? She is... This might have been a... Big Miss Stake. Stake. S-T-A-K-E. Like what you kill a vampire with. A Buffy podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Big Miss Stake. It's a Buffy podcast. And I am Melissa. Hi, y'all. I'm Aditi. And we are here to talk about season one, episode six of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, The Pack. Um, I can't wait to get into it. Also, for the fans out there, Melissa is someone who is very, very knowledgeable about animals, about the animal kingdom, about horses. She's a horsewoman. This is, is it slander or libel? I think it's slander. This is slander. I am, I am an expert <laughs> in very few animals, but I do have one new area of expertise in the animal world, thanks to this episode. I will say that my uh, exposure to hyenas was just from watching Planet Earth with my father. When I was small and we would have cable and we had Animal Planet, he would say, whenever I miss you, I just turned it on to watch you, hinting that we were the animals. Classic zinger, classic dad joke. <laughs> um, you know, he, it's, it's to, it was to make us strong to prepare for the impending race war. A father's love. <laughs> yes, a father's love. It's it's a uh, it was protective and also prescient. So <laughs> my exposure to hyenas is from watching one of the Animal Planets, and they talked about like you know the pack formation and how like you know intelligent hyenas are, but also incredibly vicious. So uh, they have very bad branding, starting from Noah's Ark. They have a ton of bad branding. That was actually the first thing I looked up was hyena lore because shamefully i believed everything in this episode was based on fact for my entire life until two days ago oh, no. which i have no reason like my parents used to live in kenya which is part of the region where the maasai tribe lives and we had a yeah. whole bunch of like books and and art and things and i always believed this from buffy the vampire slayer instead of like observing the things in my own home so you you believed this this man an actor playing a zookeeper committing one might say a macro aggression <laughs> over the actual science <laughs> in your home yes Look, if the science <laughs> in my home had ever killed a vampire, I might have given it a little bit more weight. And I mean, that's on the science. That's not on me. Wow. You really are a product of American public education. I Well, not anymore. Now I am the product of American public education and the internet because I have augmented my mental stores about both the Maasai and hyenas and I can safely say that everything in this episode is wrong. Oh, okay. Let's let's talk about hyenas. Let's talk about hyenas. Okay. The the first bit of hyena lore that this zookeeper drops. Also, I I really love the zookeeper in this episode. We'll get into it later. Um <laughs> <laughs> The the zookeeper, the first piece of lore that he drops is that hyenas follow people, learn their names and call them at night to lure them away and then they can be devoured in the darkness. Um, that's not necessarily a Maasai thing, but I did find that that was a real thing, just like in general. It's not really attributed to any specific group that I could find. Also, fun fact, when I used to work in a haunted house, I would do the exact same thing because people get really <laughs> freaked out if you say their name and you're dressed as a monster, even though you can clearly hear other people using their name. It's a good trick. Oh, wow. They must have been like really, really amazed that you knew their name. Yeah, it's a good trick. Hyenas know what's up. Then he goes on to talk about Maasai spirit possessions later on in the episode, which is not a Maasai thing. I tried looking for this, like, just in general in any 
indigenous African people, and I couldn't really find any examples of hyena possession specifically. Mm -hmm. And the Maasai people, hyenas aren't really super important in their culture as an animal. If you had to choose one animal that was number one, it would be cattle, because that's what they base their lifestyle around. Hyenas, not so much. So he's wrong. He shouldn't be employed there. Not sure how he got his job there. I also looked up how to become a zookeeper. It's very competitive. I feel like his magicianship probably gave him an edge. Maybe there was something (laughs) unethical. Who's to say? The job market was really different in 1997. Yeah, it was a different economy. Yeah. (laughs) Wow, thank you for taking us on Hyena Lore Talk. Actually, that was just the uh, the context of how everything in the show is wrong. If you want to know the real hyena lore, we can go down that path. Yes, uh, take me there. Okay. It's like I'm watching Animal Planet. In East Africa, there is mythology attributed to a group of people called Tabwa. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. They think of the hyena as an animal that first brought the sun to the earth. And then in West Africa, the hyena symbolizes immorality, dirty habits, the reversal of normal activities, negative traits, and they're associated with hermaphrodites, which is not something I have heard about any animal before. How interesting. Yeah. You know, you hear about animals that are associated with, like, cunning or being tricksters. I've never heard of an animal associated with being a hermaphrodite before. But do you know why? No, because they're wormy and worms can be hermaphroditic. I'm well, I no. <laughs> but good guess. I was trying. I was trying. <laughs> Tell me. I learned that the origin of this association, it is because A, like normally in um in social groups with dominance hierarchies like this, they're patriarchal, which means the males are in charge. Hyenas are matriarchal, so instead of having an alpha male, they have an alpha female. The females are bigger. Mm -hmm. um, They're more dominant in the society. They also have things called pseudo-penises. That makes sense! That's why you texted me that fact out of nowhere. Oh yeah, late at night I sent Aditi a bunch of text messages about hyena dicks, which aren't even dicks. Tell me, yeah. These pseudo-penises? Yes, pseudo-penises. They present externally like a male hyena penis, but they're not penises. They're actually enlarged clitorises, clitori, and they have things that look like testicles, but they're actually unconventionally shaped labia tissue and fat that look like testicles. This is incredible! Isn't that wild? Not only that, they are functional in a way. Because when hyenas, when female hyenas get excited or aroused, their pseudo penises get boners. And when they give birth, they give birth through their pseudo penises. So the baby has to like rip its way out, which is the most metal thing. This is now a hyena stand podcast. You have to rip through the pseudo testicles. Someone has to draw this on a map for me. And in Tanzania, and Maasai, the Maasai tribe lives in parts of Tanzania. There is a belief that witches use spotted hyenas as mounts, which I love much more than brooms, which seem very lame in comparison. They don't have any Mm -hmm. kind of penis. (laughs) In a different region of Tanzania, it is believed that children born at night while a hyena is crying will grow up to be a thief. In the same area, hyena feces are believed to enable a child to walk at an early age, and therefore, it is not uncommon in that area to see children with hyena dung wrapped in their clothes. Oh, interesting. I had no idea that this particular animal had, it had like, I mean, obviously I knew that they existed and obviously I knew that they had relevance like in the animal kingdom, but I had no idea that it had, had such an influence in human mythology and like, you know, cultural, cultural mythology. That's really interesting. I had no idea. There is such a breadth of mythology to choose from, and yet they made up something that is just completely non-existent, and they slapped the name of an actual group of people on it, which is problematic. But I haven't even gotten to the bit of hyena lore that is most relevant to the episode, which maybe they drew inspiration from. Take us home. Take us home. There, There is a myth, not a Maasai myth, but a myth, 
that there is a race of were hyenas that are called Buddhas, Bodas, Buddhas. It's spelled either B O U D A or B U D A. I've seen it both ways. Mm-hmm. And in Somalia, it is traditionally believed that a phrase that translates to one who rubs himself with a stick was a man who could transform himself into a hyena man by rubbing himself with a magic stick at nightfall and repeating this process could return him to his human form in the morning. What? And then in Ethiopia, it is traditionally believed that every blacksmith whose trade is hereditary is actually a wizard or witch with the power to change into a hyena. And these blacksmith wear hyenas are believed to rob graves at midnight and are viewed with suspicion. The belief in the Buddha is also present in Sudan, Tanzania, and Morocco. So maybe the Tanzania bit is where they got the Maasai from. This is incredible. First of all, you just took me to school. Thank you. Second of all, wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you for going with me on this journey. I got, I went deep, deep into a hyena hole (laughs) from which I will probably never emerge. I I want to learn more about this, but I also don't know if I can stomach the photos of that. Dude, when I I was taking a class in primate social behavior and I had a reading that was a PDF, so I went to a coffee shop to open it on my computer and take notes. And this reading happened to be on uh, primate anatomy and sexual behavior. Oh. So it was just a bunch of large full screen photos of monkey dicks. <laughs> and I, I was just like in a Starbucks as like a like a 19 year old <laughs> looking at these huge. So are you are you the primogenitor of the phrase, ma'am, this is a Wendy's? Yes. <laughs> wow. What a what a journey. I mean, thank you. You're like you're the David Attenborough of the pod. Thank you. I, I've always aspired to be a David Attenborough of something. <laughs> Wow, that's really cool. That's really interesting. Obviously, 23 years, the internet was nowhere near as robust. But I feel like you probably did more authentic and respectful research than, uh, you know, what went into making this episode. (laughs) But I really enjoyed learning about hyenas. And now I feel like I still fear them. But there's a begrudging respect. Not begrudging for me. I am pivoting my entire life to uh, to study and evangelize about hyenas. This is a hyena stan account now. This is a hyena stan account. <laughs> oh, we didn't even, well, we jumped straight to hyenas. We didn't even talk about the episode summary or any of that. No, because I knew that you had done a lot of work and I wanted to hear about it. <laughs> Do you guys want to hear what the episode is about? I also looked that up. Yes. Okay, okay. When Buffy and the rest of Sunnydale High endure the annual field trip to the zoo, Xander and some other kids sneak into the hyena exhibit, the quarantined hyena exhibit, but leave in an altered state. It's up to Buffy, Giles, and Willow to discover the cause behind Xander's bizarre behavior and reverse the transformation before it's too late. Meanwhile, Xander's new aggressive demeanor does not play well with his old friends. I think that this is a cautionary warning to naming your child Kyle. Very true. And to breaking quarantine. And to breaking, I I thought, man, this show has just so, it's still relevant to this day. They could not have predicted 23 years later that we would be talking about quarantine. And yet here we are looking, learning that if you break quarantine, you will kill a pig. And right at the beginning of this amazing, amazing resurgence of hyenas into popular culture. Yes. That, that's coming from me. How <laughs> <laughs> could they have predicted it? I thought it was a fun episode. We'll get into it more, but I thought it was fun. I also thought that, again, I only have now six episodes under my belt, but I think that Buffy has these like really fun episodes, like, you know, Monster of the Week, but there's, there's like this dark undertone. Like, for example, this episode, you know, it's like fun and like, you know, there's like a mystery and they solve it and they resolve it. Like they like wrap it up in a bow. But they kill the principal. I know, sweet, soft principal Flutie. I did not think Flutie would have such a short reign. I know. I asked you about Flutie in the first episode, what you thought would happen to him. Violent death was not the answer. Not the answer. 
not the answer. I like just like um with the episode of the witch, like it's like, you know, monster of the week, blah, blah, blah. But then it's also like this horrible mother exerting her like really toxic relationship and toxic standards onto her child and creating this toxic relationship. So the show has these fun episodes and maybe I'm reading too much into them as an adult watching the, a teen show. But there are these like really dark things. Yeah, and... There is the moment in this episode where Xander is like, you know, trying to assault Buffy. Yeah. Which always weirded me out, even as a kid. And um, so something interesting is that the other episode where Xander is in a questionable sexual situation has the same director as this episode. So maybe that's just like his lane. The director of these two episodes based on his work, is not really someone I would want to spend a lot of time with. You know, I was what I thought was really cool for the show coming out in 1997 is, again, like, you know, mores and expectations, especially how they are depicted publicly, have changed so rapidly in the past 23 years. But I thought it was really cool that a show in 1997 has the main character explicitly saying, like, felony for sexual assault, not like, you know, mm-hmm. Xander's just being weird, or he's just like, you know, he's he's just like being creepy. Like, I thought it was really cool that they were really explicit about the fact that this is unequivocally wrong. And I can, you know, I, I can probably think that that was an aberration for television back in the day. Yeah, it's really interesting to think about this back in the time. Because doing this rewatch in particular, I have really lost a lot of respect for early Buffy Giles because oh interesting he you know like like you were saying they call out that Xander's actions are 100% wrong but the one voice that was kind of like oh you know boys will be boys whatever came from Giles who is supposed to be the benevolent sort of father figure in this series and it really bums me out that he that that was his take on all of this See, I, maybe the timing is not correct in my brain, but I remember his comment about like, you know, boys are cruel and testosterone makes boys dummies. I thought it was just after he had said that cruel thing to um, Willow, which again is like, still he is being cruel and all of that stuff. But I, did he have anything to say after? No. Yeah, no, no, no. You're right. He, he did not condone any sort of um like sexual assault behavior but Mm -hmm. he did sort of condone being a big jerk which i did not like not great i did not like that especially to our sweet sweet princess yeah this was a rough episode for her yeah but she i mean she comes out swinging because she you know we'll 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 get into the the story more in depth but first slayer day slayer day Slay or nay. All right. What do you think of Buffy's outfits this episode? Can I be honest? Yes. I didn't like them. I hated them. Well, there was one that I thought was a sleigh, but I hated the outfit at the zoo so much. Hated it. Hated it. The only outfit I liked was the last last outfit because it was more of a return to her basic silhouette, which is, you know, Shirt, short skirt, long boots, the hat. She was trying something out, you know? She was rocking a sweet lid, but it didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Points for bravery. Yeah, like points for bravery. Participation award. Perfect attendance award. But did not like the outfits this, this episode. The outfit at the zoo particularly offended me because I hate the hairstyle that they keep giving her, which is like some weird, like a beehive uh yeah beehive reminiscent thing she looks like very uh mary tyler moore in the dick van dyke show Mm -hmm. i i hate the hair i hate the scarf i hate the bag what temperature is it even i i don't know is it hot is it cold pick a side can't pick a side (laughs) yeah did not did not like them i thought that our sweet willow in her orange sweater and a brown tartan skirt and her hair in a half up half down felt very high school I would have worn that I loved it I thought she looked like a manic pixie dream pumpkin I thought she looked great and I want to give a shout out to our dearly departed principal Flutie at the zoo who did the only (laughs) brave thing 
he has ever done in his life and absolutely rocked a plaid suit with a polka dot tie. Like, if you're going to go out, go out with a bang. And I think he really did. Wow. Pour one out for Flutie. I really did not anticipate them straight up killing the principal. Straight up killing and eating him. And eating they the ate him. And <laughs> they ate the bones. Yes, I think that you were right to say that his swan song of an outfit was impressive. Hate to see you leave. Love to watch you go. <laughs> Yeah, in general, I would say this is probably the worst, probably the worst episode fashion-wise for me. I do like that when Xander was possessed by a hyena, they did steer him away from his traditional uh, (laughs) cursed wardrobe, and they have him in more just like bland neutrals, which really allows his perfect face and hair to take the lead. And I love that. Yeah, and I think this is a, uh, you know, I think that I like having all of the pack in the same ensemble. It really drives home the message. It was a real missed opportunity to have them all dress in spotted clothing when they were in their hanging outfits. Can you imagine? (laughs) You know I love leopard print. I'm I'm picturing them all in like Dalmatian suits, a la the (laughs) (laughs) the Dean's videos in Community. Uh, yeah, I will say though, Buffy is, you know, she's still, she's still wearing her cross given to her by Angel. She's still rocking the jacket. Uh, you know why this episode was really suffering sartorially? No, Cordelia. Exactly. Where was Queen Cordelia Chase? This is the only episode, I believe, in season one where she is not present. So <laughs> thank God the worst is over. It was very wise to not make her into a hyena because she already is so mean that giving her... Uh, supernatural powers of teenage cruelty would have been perhaps too much. Yeah, yeah. If she became a hyena, it would be too powerful. But you can't have her just wandering around either because what are they going to do? Make fun of her? It's impossible. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you can't no. You can't intimidate Cordelia. She is the matriarch of the animal kingdom that is the high school. Yes, she wins every pseudo-penis measuring contest. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's why the episode really suffered. But um, yeah, let's, uh, that's Slay Your Nay. Okay, so this translates perfect into... Band Candy. Let's talk band candy because I would love to talk to you about that song because I shazammed it. Did you? I did. Are you, Are we talking about the same song where they're walking really skulkily with like the the like very 90s moody music in the background? Yes, we are. Okay, let's talk about the band. Let's talk about the band. So the song is called Job's Eyes, and it is by a band called Far. Far out, man. And uh, all I really know about this band is that they are best remembered for a cover of one of my favorite songs, Pony. Yes. <laughs> yeah, dear listeners, Pony is a it's a real it's a real important song in my life. It's a real important song. I think no party is complete without a you know, a hearing of this song and a dancing to this song. And I'm very glad that the all the stars are aligning in my life to get me here. The entire Wikipedia article for this band is an absolute gem. They have quotes <laughs> such as their manager considers their album Tin Cans with Strings to be the first ever Screamo album. Their manager. <laughs> it's like interviewing your mom for a recommendation. I know. It's it's just thrown in there that their vocalist later recalled how the band would often get booed and abused by the audience when they opened for larger bands. Like, why would you even put that in there? What band, like, for those who did not invest this much time into learning about it, what is a a comparable, larger-named 90s band? I couldn't think of one. Mm, It's very butt rock. Maybe, like, uh, I feel like Puddle of Mud, maybe? Yeah, 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 yeah. I literally couldn't think of any other band from the 90s except the Spin Doctors. (laughs) So I just kept thinking about the Spin Doctors. But this is not the Spin Doctors. (laughs) Although they are all princes. (laughs) <laughs> More than two, I assume. I don't know how many people are in far. Yeah, I, uh, I, that was a thoroughly enjoyable band candy. Also, there's another little treat in there for us. 
our favorite band, my favorite band, Sprung Monkey, is back, mm-hmm. baby. That's the song that plays, uh, that's the band that plays when the pack enters the bronze, or when Xander's in the yes. bronze, and he turns and yes. sees them, and they have this animal connection. It's because mm-hmm. there's a monkey, a sprung monkey in the room. It's just like the Serengeti. Just like the Serengeti, or when I was at a Starbucks looking at photos of monkey dicks. <laughs> Uh, I'm glad that we both clocked that song because it was really, uh, it was, it was pivotal to carrying the storyline. It was a real moment. It was a very (laughs) 1997 music video moment. (laughs) All we were missing was the rain machine. This was a really good band candy. That was fun. That was fun. I mean, look, I'll always ride for Pony. (laughs) The deep spiritual connection you have with Genuine's Pony is truly a beautiful thing. Yeah. It's very pure, as much as a song can, about that content can be. Pure as the driven hoe. Oh, yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. So I really, really liked the uh, the slow-mo scene because they did a lot of close-ups of, of their faces looking smoldering. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I feel like Xander went from like a nice guy to a bad boy. And I really enjoy this shift until it went wrong. Did you, when you were small, find him attractive? Oh my god, yes. I have, for is it cute, under physically cute, in my notes, I have in all capital letters, oh Jesus, hold me. So, (laughs) shall we begin, is it cute? I guess we should begin, is it cute? Is it cute? Yes. Uh, So let's talk about Xander. I have to tell you, as a grown woman who has done a lot of work to unlearn a lot of terrible things that society teaches us, I too was like, dang, Xander is attractive. He's not annoying. Right? Like, I I feel very justified in my Xander thirst, just like looks wise on this episode. They gave him a lot of chances to smolder. I think he took all those opportunities Ran with him. Good job, Xander. Love it. Five yeah. stars. Yeah. Love this episode. Yeah. I think that, yes, he was cute. How do we feel about Kyle? Oh, not cute. <laughs> not cute. Not Unequivocally cute. Definitively not, cute. not. I will say, though, uh, watching the episode, I was looking at Kyle and I was thinking, man, I have seen this face before. I have seen this face before. Melissa, did you know that he was in another one of our favorite shows which one 30 rock <gasps> no he played anders the swiss sex worker that jack got as a reference from martha stewart for liz after <laughs> she and carol broke up oh my god he totally is that's amazing <laughs> this is truly a perfect episode so after i saw that yeah after i read that i was like eh, Kyle's Kyle is less odious <laughs> I have bumped him up from not cute to eh. <laughs> So, but Kyle, independent of his Anders connection, he sucks. He's not cute. I want to go on the record for when I uh, run for political office. Bullying is not cute. Wow. You're so brave. I am. I'm here to take the hard line statements. Yeah, I want to say unequivocally that being a mean girl is not cute. Unless you're Cordelia Chase. Well, it's in service for the greater good. Yeah, I would say Kyle, definitely not cute. I would just say the pack in general, not cute. I would definitely say uh, the zookeeper is not cute. I think the zookeeper is not cute, but I do think he looks very appropriate because I have seen many, many an archaeologist, many a professor. They all look like that guy. I think they casted him perfectly Mm. and the glasses they gave him were just excellent like (laughs) like like if i had to conjure a zookeeper (laughs) hyena expert out of the ether it would look exactly like that guy so points for verisimilitude but loss of points for cuteness yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i would have to say not cute but highly appropriate (laughs) and sometimes that's also okay yeah sometimes it's okay to just like fit just fit in. <laughs> Are hyenas the enemies? Hyenas themselves? Are hyenas cute? Wow. Wow. That's a really tough question for me because um, I also have a biblical level distaste for them. Really? Well, they're just, they're just not nice and they don't fit into my anthropomorphized understanding of the animal kingdom. They're very smart. They're complicated. 
They're bad boys. They're misunderstood. Are they bad boys or are they mean girls? I mean, they're a matriarchal society, so... <laughs> they're they're a real girl boss society. Ah, uh, yes. Where they are mean girls who also act like bad boys. <laughs> but it's okay because they're girls. Yeah. Wow. I'm gonna say, and I'm sorry, Melissa, I'm gonna say hyenas, not cute. Stay through the heart! Wow, this is very hurtful to me and my new lifestyle. I guess uh, we won't be doing these over video anymore since I am getting a full hyena face tattoo. (laughs) Any attack on a hyena is an attack on me, ma'am. You really have committed to the the pack (laughs) lifestyle. I am one of the pack. (laughs) I, like a good human, like to think of animals only in service of me. So is it cute? Is a great indicator of whether I care about an animal. So it's difficult when I don't have a personal investment. (laughs) Look, I'm just being honest. Everyone else doesn't want to be honest, but I'm just, can you tell I watched The Real Housewives today? I'm just being (laughs) honest. Well, I now have a very personal investment in hyenas as one of the pack, so (laughs) I'm, I'm going full hyena. After we finish recording this episode, I am taking to the woods. You're going to go to the Serengeti. Yes. I'm going to go to the Serengeti. I'm going to uh, petition the tribes there to start doing spirit possessions. (laughs) Honestly, I think the only way I'll be promoted in any sort of organized structure will be becoming a hyena. (laughs) Right. I just, I really feel like I could thrive there. Not, Not just surviving, thriving. Wow. Are you in survival or thrival mode? While being a hyena. I'm in primal mode because I'm about to possess a hyena. (laughs) And now a word from our sponsor. Sunnydale Morgue presents its obituary of the week, remembering Principal Robert Flutie. Principal Flutie left his celestial boat under some mysterious circumstances, but his impact upon Sunnydale students is anything but mysterious. A lover of school spirit, marshmallows, and Enya deep cuts, his memory lives on in the class of the overly flappable and indecisive students he sculpted in his own soft image. He is survived by his many bow ties and 12 ex-wives. This obituary is brought to you by Sunnydale Morgue, now offering a two-for-one special on funeral services to accommodate Sunnydale's growing death population. Mention Big Mistake to learn more about how to plan for the next round of mysterious disappearances, supernatural murders, or potential ascensions. Sunnydale Morgue. You provide the corpses, and we'll take care of the rest. All right, okay, let's get to the episode. Let's do it! Let's do it! We start out in the zoo, and Buffy is walking along, looking morose. The extras in this zoo scene are wearing some very, like, truly balls-to-the-wall outfits. I suggest (laughs) everyone go back and take a look. I will! Even our beloved Slayerettes are wearing pretty atrocious striped. There's a lot of striped clothing um, in this show. I think Xander and Willow are wearing sort of matchy stripey sweaters, but also Xander and one of the women from the pack are also wearing a similar Mm. stripey sweater. So it's foreshadowing for his being torn betwixt two worlds. Wow. Also, I think stripes were just like in. (laughs) Uh, those, Those rude... Those rude boys in the hyena pack try to, like, say something rude to Buffy, but the thing they say is, careful, she might beat you up. That's not rude. That's badass. That is badass. And I think it's very not in their best interest to just go around being jerks to someone for no reason that they know is capable of extreme violence. Do they know that about Buffy? Well, yeah, because they said, watch out, she might beat you up. Like, they know that... Oh, because she was expelled, yeah. That's, uh, yeah, why would you tempt fate? I don't know. They they only have one mode, and it is shithead. (laughs) They're just awful. Then they get to that sweet little innocent who is by himself, and the hyenas smell the weakness on that poor child. And Kyle, Kyle sucks. I cannot emphasize to you how much Kyle is just a shitty, shitty kid. And you know, yes, most bullies are bullies because of a lot of internal pain and a lot of stuff going on that we can't see. But some kids just suck. And I know that that's not very nice. But look, I'm very brave. 
And I'm willing to say the things other people aren't. I feel like you're taking Kyle as a very personal attack. I just don't like rude boys. No. And it's their only reason for existing. Like, they're super high off of the rush they get from being rude to Buffy. And they ride that wave all the way over to Lance, who they are mean to again. Poor Lance. And you know that they're shitty because they're mean to everybody. It's not that they're sensing weakness because they know Buffy's not weak. They just are shitty. That's true. And then Flouty over here shows up, but he is so bad at working with adolescents he literally asks that poor child in front of his tormentors are they tormenting you and that child knows he can't say yes he's really expecting that suit to do most of the heavy lifting (laughs) (laughs) well he used all his bravery points that day wearing it yeah i mean he rocked it good for him (laughs) big (laughs) rick moranis energy from him (laughs) then they go into the you know the area that they're not supposed to go into but again they're rude and they don't care about rules (laughs) we live in a society yeah these these hellions just going around bullying people entering places they shouldn't breaking quarantine breaking Mm. quarantine yeah you know that kyle is an anti-masker oh yeah and he's not only an anti-masker he's one of those people who goes around like berating other people for wearing masks for being good citizens somewhere kyle is yelling at a 17 year old working at a tj maxx yeah i think i think it's safe to say kyle sucks Kyle sucks. Yeah. And and also the Kyleettes, all of his all of his cronies. <laughs> they all suck. You're right, you're right. The thing is like we fixate on Kyle, but like no Kyle is an island, you know? Like who aided and abetted him to get there? Truly. <laughs> no Kyle is a Kyland. <laughs> yeah, so you know, they go in and we see the inception scene. It's all very creepy. The eyeballs glow. Lol at this cheesy ass, uh, quote unquote, African music that they play in the hyena house. Very rainforest cafe. Yes, exactly. It really <laughs> takes you on a journey. <laughs> they He gets incepted and he's clearly got an attitude about him. And my first thought was, do you think Buffy will like him now that he's mean? Well, I like him now that he's mean. I liked soft Xander <laughs> and I like mean Xander. I, I love all Xanders. A Xander for all ages. Yeah, I'm so ashamed of how much I love Xander. <laughs> uh, it's okay. I was also once nine. <laughs> yeah, so they're they're at the bronze and uh, Willow and Buffy are having a little girl talk. And I enjoyed it until one line when Buffy says... Oh, your head getting tingly. I remember that. Ma'am, you are a child. Do not act as if you are some divorcee. Your head has been tingly. You're fine. Also, was it not literally the very last episode when her head was all tingly over Owen? How quickly we forget. It was doubly tingly because Owen and Angel were there. Yeah. Justice for Owen. I never thought I would say such a thing. (laughs) Do you think he wrote a poem about it? Probably. Yes, he's complicated. (laughs) (laughs) So they're at the bronze and then Angel, uh, so excuse me, I wish Angel. Uh, Xander, (laughs) Xander comes in and you can tell he has been afflicted with the rude boy virus because he eats Buffy's croissant. Like a hyena would. Yes, yes. And then he sees Kyle and they have this beautiful staring experience. I wrote in my notes, Kyle and Xander make out. They didn't, but you know. I mean, the tension was there. <laughs> but but like before Kyle walks in, Xander's being very rude. And Willow suggests that maybe they go to the ice cream place. Yes. And the last time Willow wanted to go to the ice cream place was way back in episode one when she was trying to seize the day with that vampire so I, I think that's like her go-to move when she's trying to like get a guy is to take them to the ice cream place. I love her so much. She's just an angel. She's the angel of the show. <laughs> so yeah, we're in the bronze and we can tell something is something is wrong and Willow can sense it because obviously she has strong feelings of the both friendship and romantic variety for Sander. So then we're next next scene, we're in the school. Buffy and Giles are fighting and they do this 
in the middle of the library. I thought it was like after school. No, it is during school hours. That is how mm-hmm. vacant the Sunnydale library is. No one likes to read. Except for Owen. Except for Owen. Wow. So quickly we were to cast him aside. And yet here we are. He did get his Emily Dickinson back. So he's never returning to the library. He has all the book he needs. <laughs> Um, how have we gone this long and not talked about Herbert? Herbert. Is it cute? So cute. The cutest. He's the only boy in this episode who is not rude. He is the only... And then how does he get rewarded? He's he's eaten. Yeah, Flutie isn't rude either, and he gets eaten. The only two non-rude boys in this episode are viciously devoured. Wow. I think our brand is anti-rude boy. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get an anti-rude boy tattoo on my neck underneath my hyena face tattoo. (laughs) I'm just going to get why you got to be so rude. Yeah, I think Herbert is so cute. I loved him. I loved his little razorback costume. I love how an innocent baby pig is too much for Principal Flutie, (laughs) who was not wearing his power suit. They were both tragic figures. They were too good for Sunnydale. They were too good For a world so rude. Why gotta be so rude? (laughs) Yeah, so my note, and I'm ashamed to say this after that, is uh, Xander is kind of good looking as broody Xander. You love a broody guy. I'm realizing this about you. You love Angel. That's it, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It is a teen show meant to elicit stupid tropes that work on an underdeveloped brain like mine now as an adult. <laughs> I I get it. I go for the different trope. <laughs> What's the trope that is most satisfying to you? Well, I don't think Xander is the best example of this, but like, he's not like the number one hero, but he's like the cute, funny guy off to the side. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, Xander is ruled by a very deep insecurity. And usually mm-hmm. that's not part of the trope. But yeah, that's that was more my lane, I think. Not like the okay. big, dark, brooding guy. I mean, I, I read Wuthering Heights at a very formative age, I suppose. Oh, I was busy reading Emily Dickinson, so. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. I guess uh, we both read. <laughs> Man, I do miss Owen. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> God would never forgotten. You know, we're, we can tell that Herbert is not meant long for this world because Xander's making some very explicit comments about needing meat. Yeah. Herbert's afraid of Xander. Like the virgin thief, praying mantis, sex lady was afraid of the man with the fork hands. I feel like this director has one trick. <laughs> is this the same director as uh, Teacher's Pet? Yes. That's why there's creepy sex and a guy... Uh, a character who is afraid of the bad guy and that's how you know the bad guy is bad oh yes 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 so we have we have you know willow is sensing that something is off that this is not the boy she loves then he knocks her out rude very rude very rude (laughs) one thing i love about this scene i love everybody's mix and match uh pe outfits i think that's very cute and also I love that they show Buffy playing dodgeball and they have her do all of these very dumb moves like a ball is coming at her, but there's clearly not a ball. So she's just doing weird fake dance acrobatics. Yeah, uh, dodgeball. They were very overt with the pack like visuals. Like we got it very, it was very unambiguous uh, in the dodgeball game. And they, they turned on the weak like hyenas do. Yes, yes, yes. And I turned on my crush. My next comment was, sulky, rude little Xander. What a jerk. <gasps> Betrayal. <laughs> and then Willow confronts Xander with in in the most heartbreaking scene of the show so far, I would say. so sad. I was so aggrieved. I was so aggrieved. Uh, when I was watching it, my immediate thought was, Excuse me, this bitch is also pasty. I am so sick of white on white crime. He's so mean to her. He really is very mean to her and publicly mean. Yeah, he crosses the threshold from rude to mean and that's not nice. Yeah, I, I'm i gonna 
stand firm and say being mean is not nice. We are just two brave people standing against the tides. Look, you know that I never speak ill of a hyena, (laughs) but I'm just not comfortable with this behavior. I'm going to say it. I don't like it. I don't like it. I have in my notes. I'm so into bad boy Xander. I hate this about myself. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, look, I was in until he was mean to our sweet princess. And then I was like, I'm done with you. I I have this written because they go into the courtyard and that far song starts playing. It's rumored to have been the first Screamo album. I don't know where I heard that. Probably a reliable source. And it's where he's shooting a lot of like brooding looks to the camera. I was like, all right, yeah, this can go on for another several minutes. And then the director was like, just keep brooding. (laughs) Always be brooding. They they brewed some time and then, well, R.I.P. to Herbert. Yeah, gone but not forgotten. <laughs> but now Giles is on the case and taking it seriously. Giles has also been possessed by the patriarchy. Devastating. <laughs> Giles has to uh, expand his universe from his deeply Western dominant narratives to maybe read about the entire continent of Africa Uh, Very brave, very brave of him to consider that. I mean, you would think from his time at the British Museum, he would at least have some familiarity with African artifacts. Yes, yes, yes. But uh, alas, the world begins and ends in the UK. (laughs) Yep. I mean, can't fight it. It's just the way it is. (laughs) That's just the way it is. Uh, Yeah, then we get to the scene that we all don't like. When Angel, Jesus, I keep saying Angel because I'm just thinking about Angel all the time. When Xander (laughs) is being a dog. I don't think he's being a dog. He's one of my people now. (laughs) Yeah, and at the end of the day, we find out it was always about Angel. That's, he was just, he just wants to be, you know, he wants to be the second Angel to Buffy. Honestly, if he wasn't rude... He would be doing a really good job. He just needs to stop wearing all of these terrible clothes. All you have to do is look drab and kind of sad. And it it really works wonders. You have to stop being rude and just go to brood. From rude to brood. Yes, yes. So there's there's this scene where they're cutting back and forth between Xander trying to attack Buffy and the rest of the Mm -hmm. pack killing and eating Principal Flutie which is crazy. It goes from zero to 60 so quick. I cannot believe they killed this man. I mean, it it goes from zero to 60 in a lot of ways because Xander was super mean to Willow in a way that that felt very hurtful. Mm -hmm. Hurtful in a realistic way. It did feel realistic, yeah. And then it goes to this way over-the-top scene where these teens are eating someone. (laughs) Yeah, interspersed with the scene where Xander is attempting to assault her. Yeah, hyenas waste no time. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, so I can't believe they killed they killed uh, Flouty, but they did. Flouty? Flouty? I can never remember. Flouty. Not like a flauta, like a, like an instrument. <laughs> wow, maybe I'm just hungry. So so they're, they're eating him, right? And yeah. To add to the sense of horror, they do this slow zoom on this photo of Principal Flutie smiling. Smiling. So awkward. When you think about it, if someone came in and had to sit across from him at his desk, (laughs) you would see him smiling and then you would look down and see a photo of him making the exact same expression. And I really enjoy that bit. I wonder, uh, I wish we had more time to get go into uh, the background of Flutie. Alas, he's gone. Yeah, so we then cut to the scene where Buffy is dragging a knocked out Xander and throwing him into the, the tank to sober up. The book cage. Oh, the book cage. There you go. Yeah. And then that cuts to a scene that I think is supposed to be menacing, but I, ha- I have to tell you, I laughed the entire time the scene between Xander and Willow was commencing because it just reminded me of Heavyweights, an iconic 90s movie. 
I've never seen heavyweights. Oh, Melissa, Melissa. There's a scene in the movie where they lock up Ben Stiller and he tries to get a little chubby boy to unlock him by giving him a melted candy bar. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) So I just kept thinking about heavyweights the entire time. Xander is trying to tempt her with the melted candy bar of his love. Yes, yes, yes. And then they they go back to the zookeeper because they need more hyena information. They could have just come to me, but they decided (laughs) to go back to the zoo. The scene of the crime. So in the beginning, I was like, why would they have to quarantine these hyenas? And then the quarantine excuse was flimsy on purpose. Mm. I get it. Keep your third eye open. Yeah, keep your third eye open. And then I... I have this zookeeper is my absolute favorite. They were surprised because the hyenas were a particularly vicious breed. Like you wouldn't know what breed of hyenas you were getting. They were just oops, all vicious. Come on, man. You had a uh, you had a warmer reaction to him. I thought his uh, <laughs> his uh, his Halloween costume pretending to be an actual community was uh, horrific. But again, it's the 90s. Yeah, it, that's awful. I don't sign on for all of that. I just love the idea of a character who is half hyena expert, half <laughs> black magic expert combined <laughs> into a person who just looks like a hyena expert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, at the end of the day, he just wanted to belong in the pack. And that is a deeply relatable thing. As a hyena stan. Yes, as all of us living in 2020. We just want to be in a pack. We just want to break quarantine. (laughs) All I want to do is break quarantine and run around with my dogs. Hyenas are not dogs. And they're not cats either. They're in their own family. Really? Yeah. What are they? They're like hyena day or something like that. Oh, they're just their own family. Yeah, they're their own family. Well, substitute running around with my dogs to running around with my hyenas. And that's what I meant. Yes. I have a deep urge always to run around with my hyenas. (laughs) And then they find out from the half wizard, half zookeeper, that the rest of the pack will be coming to find the one who is lost. Yes. I'm not sure if that's a real hyena behavior or not. It was getting late by this point. I stopped researching. (laughs) But... I will have an update next episode for those who are desperate for more hyena content, which I know is everyone. Okay, so the rest of the pack runs to the library to get Xander, and they call Willow's name to lure her out, just like the magician zookeeper warned about in the very beginning of the episode. And then they show the destroyed book cage. And when they ate Herbert, they showed the cage that was like completely destroyed, Mm -hmm. And I had in my notes, like, I get that they're vicious because they're hyenas, but they also have hands. Like, this was unnecessary. (laughs) It was foreshadowing for when they rip him out of the bookcage. Airtight. Airtight. So they show up in the library. Willow has a very raptors in the kitchen in Jurassic Park sort of scene Mm. where she's running from them. And she thinks she escapes, but... uh, but Xander. He really has some uh, some reconciliation that he needs to do with our friend Willow. Yeah, yeah. This this was a really heart-wrenching episode to watch as I, I really was invested in the Willow-Xander dynamic and this one was rough for me as a kid. Did you, did you want them to get together when you were small? Oh yeah, 100%. I mm-hmm. was singularly focused on Xander and Willow getting together. <laughs> So then we we transport to this family who is leaving a dinner party. Oh, yes. I would read a novel about this woman who's leaving this house. She has awful earrings and an awful vest and an awful husband and an awful child who can't even <laughs> eat. She is she's a 1997 Kate Chopin. She's about to walk into some water. And so she she leaves this and she is going back to her clearly miserable life. But then Guess who comes a knocking? Is it Buffy? Always. So she leads them to the zoo. Giles and Willow are there. I don't know why everyone continues to leave Willow alone after it's established that she's the weak one. 
the zookeeper magician comes out in a very offensive fake Maasai ceremonial garb that looks like a low-budget Darth Maul. <laughs> wow. That is actually very true. Yeah. He, he looks like if Darth Maul was like a high school mascot. <laughs> and then... <laughs> It's revealed that he's evil. What a twist. I think that that, you know, you're you're expecting someone to just be incompetent and yet they're evil. Again, it's a difficult thing to accept. <laughs> What's difficult about it? You know, I can accept incompetence, but I cannot accept evil. Like, it's like the rude versus brood thing. I can accept brooding, but not rooting. <laughs> We're watching the wrong show for you, ma'am. This is a town full of evil. I guess, okay, do you have a problem with demons who are, who have no choice but to be evil? Is it the choice to be evil that's the issue? Always the choice is difficult. Um, No, I meant to say at the beginning, you think that this person will want what's best for the hyenas, want what's best for, you know, the the zoo. And it turns out that he, he also had an agenda. To be fair... If I had the opportunity to possess a hyena or to have a hyena possess me, I too would go to great lengths and endanger probably even more high school children to do it. (laughs) I'm getting mine. (laughs) It's that kind of drive that would send me shooting straight to the top of the dominance hierarchy. So I think what we're learning is that Melissa in real life is not a girl boss, but as a hyena, would be a girl boss. <laughs> yeah, I don't love this. <laughs> Look, it's hard to it's hard to accept your reality when the patterns are in front of you. Wow. <sighs> All right, this is a learning and friendship adventure. I'll just carry this with me. It's what we promised our dozens of fans. <laughs> yeah, so we're at the peak of the episode budget darth maul knocks giles out rude very rude he has absorbed the hyena spirit real xander comes back and he saves willow he does because human xander is capable of having love for his friends and not just predatory urges he's going not just from primal but to thrival thrival sounds like an energy drink Yeah, maybe I'll make one. Yeah, <laughs> live your best thrive. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there's already some like dubiously like conducted consulting firm that uses that phrase like as one of their strategies. It's too real. <laughs> so Xander has a heart. Yeah, and then the the primal nerd is thrown back to the hyenas that he loves so well. R.I.P. Okay, so Xander doesn't remember what happened. At least that's what he says. Mm. But Giles reveals that he is lying. Mm -hmm. And then just lets him get away with it. I don't know. Giles is disappointing. I get that he's trying to be a bro in this moment, but I'm not sure if that's the best way to go. Well, I will say for the actor who plays Xander, I think he did a really good job on this episode because you really do feel like you know, brooding hyena-possessed Xander is very different than, like, normal Xander, even not just with his, like, obviously his dialogue, but his mannerisms and the way he conducts himself. So I think the actor did a really good job. You know, it's nice to see the gang back together. It was, it's always hard when they fracture, but they're back together. And there's no resolution about these murderers. Which murderers? Oh, the, uh, the hyena people. Yeah. Uh, you know, I never wondered about that. A lifetime of watching Law and Order over my mother's shoulder because I was too scared to watch it has trained me to look for the loose ends. Huh. Yeah, I wonder what happened to them. They, they packed it in, packed it out. They're gone now. <laughs> Off to the next Serengeti. What does that mean? If, if the high school was their Serengeti, they've gone to another one. <laughs> Off to another concrete jungle desert savanna (laughs) exactly (laughs) and yeah uh and with that we wrap up the pack yeah uh do you what what do you think do you want to rank it let's rate it i'd give it a very solid medium stakes oh i give this high stakes i know i know 
Apart from the, uh, just the complete mishandling of Maasai culture and all of that racist stuff, I love brooding Xander. I love that the boundaries of what the show allows to happen have been greatly expanded. Mm-hmm. And so you know that like very little is off the table at this point because they just ate their principal. They just ate their principal. I, I would say my top two episodes for season one are this one and The Witch, which is a very different opinion than like what the critics say is a good one. But interesting. In in my heart, I love these two episodes the most. It was really fun. I enjoyed it. It was fun. I I don't know what would take it up a notch for me, but I feel happy with my medium stakes. High, high stakes. You put the high in hyena. <laughs> it's true. Ah. And with that, my friends, we wrap the pack. We wrap the pack. I wish we knew your names so that we could call out as we faded out of this episode. I hope that everyone stays in quarantine, because if not, you're going to eat your principal. Yeah, that is the lesson. (laughs) Okay. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening to uh, Hyena Lore, and also, big mistake. Tune in next week for more hyena shit. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to another fantastic episode of Big Mistake. If you have any messages for us, or if the apocalypse comes, beep us at BigMistakePod on Twitter and Instagram, or at BigMistake at gmail.com. That's B-I-G-M-I-S-S-S-T-A-K-E. Catch you with the bronze! I really enjoy the hyena talk.